Right now, it's a great pleasure to welcome back to the Armstrong and Getty Show, Craig Gottwalls. Craig, the healthcare guru, attorney law, benefit consultant, uh, Benefit Revolution is his company slash website. We'll let you know how to get in touch with him a little later on if you need help. But Craig, welcome. How are you, brother? I'm good. How are you, Joe? I'm terrific. Thank you. So a, a brief uh, description of why we want John today. First of all, it's been a while since we've talked to you. And, uh, you know, Jack and I are confident about certain topics, but we're humble about certain topics. And the <laughs> complexity of the world of insurance and benefits and health care and the government and, and the policy, it's just it's dizzying to the layman. So we always like to talk to you about what's going on. Yeah, I understand that. When when I was on uh when I was on last time, I think I was on with Jack when you were out and mm-hmm. Jack was Jack was asking me what premium increases were going to look like in 2023 both for private employers and in the exchanges. And at the time, you know, we were looking at 20 to 35% increases across the board because uh, yeah, because because one of the band-aid extension of Obamacare subsidies above and beyond what was originally passed in Obamacare was set to expire. And, you know, Jack asked me what I thought the odds were that that was going to happen. And I said, it would not happen. Republicans would cave or Democrats would figure out a way to get it passed without a Republican vote through some sort of budget reconciliation. And that's exactly what they did with the Inflation Reduction Act. So an extra $25 billion a year is going to be handed out to um, roughly 10, 11 million people in the Obamacare exchanges, and it's going to take their their annual increases, you know, from something that would have been probably 22, 23% down to an average of 10% across the board, which in healthcare terms, honestly, Joe, is kind of low because we've been seeing 7 to 10% increases in healthcare for 25 years. So the fact that the fact that healthcare is only going to go up 7 to 10% again this year. Is, is almost a picnic in light of what's going on with true inflation. Yeah, you know, I hate to uh, ask you for numbers you don't have, but I find myself wondering in uh, the context of all of the inflation we've had in which, you know, uh, healthcare allegedly a sixth of the economy we've heard or a seventh, whatever it is, it seems like buying milk and eggs is now a seventh of the, your paycheck. Um, <laughs> in the midst of all that other uh, inflation, I find myself wondering, the, the average American, the typical American family, what percentage of their take-home pay do they spend on health care these days? Do you have any idea? Well, that number varies greatly depending upon whether you're self-employed or whether you work uh-huh. um, at a public employer, for example, that pays almost everything on your behalf, but of course then reduces your take-home pay because they're using, they're using their resources to buy your bloated health insurance. Um, so it, it, that number is kind of misleading because it, it, it's all yeah. over the map depending upon where you work. But I can tell you, you know, one of the reasons I'm totally diverging here from what we've spoken about talking about. But there's there's two main reasons we have this bloated, ridiculous healthcare system that we have in America. And I don't know if I've ever talked about this on your show, but the, the primary reason. So taking a step back, when you buy insurance. And, and I'm a guy who sells insurance. My, I always tell people, you're best off buying as little insurance as you can. Save what you can, cover what you can, have as high of a deductible as you can afford, and then buy insurance. Because once you buy insurance, that money walks away, right? So we insure, we have high deductibles on our homes, our cars, et cetera. But for healthcare, we, have, we live in this peculiar world where we insure everything down to a paper cut. You know, we all want to go into the hospital or the doctor for a $20, $30 copay, and we don't think about what things cost. And the 
The real question is why? Why did that start? Interestingly enough, that started in World War II. And you might say, what the hell? (laughs) Well, in World War II, we decided, hey, there's a war on. So we put wage freezes in place as a country. And so what they did was they said, well, but we still need to recruit employees and retain them somehow. So benefits don't count as part of the wage freezes. So at that time, during World War II, employers who needed to recruit talent started putting in these ridiculously bloated prepaid health plans where it paid for everything. It paid for your annual fees. It paid for everything. It had no deductible. It had no skin in the game for the purchaser. On top of that, we amended the tax code to say, oh, and by the way, every bit of money you give to an employee in the way of health insurance is non-taxable. So we have two huge incentives to provide these bloated medical plans to people. And that's part of the reason this thing has spiraled out of control the way it has the last 75 years. Wow, that is so interesting. Uh, Craig Gottwalls, the healthcare guru, is on the line. Uh, that's, that's great knowledge. And the other thing that I'll always be grateful to you for pointing out to us was how utterly, is how utterly dishonest uh, government healthcare programs like Medicare are in terms of the legislation and what they claim they will, uh, compensate doctors for their services, that sort of thing. How artificial and dishonest the whole thing is. Yeah, you know, that's a fantastic point, Joe, because there is a ray of sunshine coming through the cloud cover. There are shoots of green hope coming up in the desert soil here. Um, we're seeing a renaissance in the private market in healthcare that I wrote about years ago, and it's really starting to take off. Before we. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because, God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. 
and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Dive into the next topic. We're always talking about the percentage of health care that's already socialized in America. Has that changed <laughs> in either direction? No, that's great. That's actually a, that, that's a foundational fact I was going to need to set up here to make the next to make the next point. And, and it's it hasn't changed other than it's just slowly creeping upward. So so right now uh, it's safe to say that two thirds of all health care in America are funded by taxpayers. And then you know, people always ask, they say, wait a minute, how's that possible? Because I see that, you know, 40 or 50 percent of people get their insurance through work. And it's because when you once you add together. Now, remember, anybody who works for a state or federal or local government, almost all of their health care is funded by taxpayers. Ah, too. Right. And then when you add that to Medicare, Medicaid, uh, uh, the VA care and then TRICARE, which is for active duty military, when you add all that together. Two-thirds of all healthcare in America are funded by taxpayers. So you, you look at that and you say, well, now we've got one-third of, of health care that's actually being funded by the private marketplace. And so how does that work? Well, here's, here's what's going on. When you, when you take your employer health care plan and you go to the hospital, that plan is paying, on average across the country, 225% of what Medicare would pay for the same exact service. Wow. That's right. More than double. That's right. This is how Medicare keeps costs down because Medicare is the number one purchaser of healthcare across the country. So hospitals don't dare decline it because it's their number one client. And there's also, there's a, there's a, a patriotic element to taking Medicare because that's our healthcare for the oldsters. They've paid into it all their lives. It would, it would be a, it's a bad PR move for a hospital to say we're not going to take Medicare. So the way, the way Medicare gets funded is through a private hidden tax that none of us know about. And that's the fact that it's, the government pays the hospitals way too little and then turns around and charges that one third of private employers 225% of what those costs are in order to make themselves whole and make a nice, tidy profit. Oh, wow. That really is a tax. <laughs> it really is a tax. It's a hidden tax, and it's been creeping up. This is not uh, one party or the other. This has been going on since it uh, started with Clinton, and, and it's been going on through the second Bush and Obama and Trump. I mean, this just continues to march on and the disparity gets worse every year. I look at the studies and that 225% just keeps creeping upward. So it's, it's just a beautiful thing that's starting to happen. Joe, I I, I've written about this. It's pretty wonky, but I'm going to, I'm going to simplify the heck out of it. Large employers. And when I say large, I mean, you've got to have at least 250, 300 employees to make this work. They're just opting out of the entire system, Right. So, like, when you guys talk about, it's not ours versus D's. It's really them versus us. It's the elite class, the, the politicians versus the people. Well, there's an element of that with healthcare because it's not really insurers versus hospitals or Medicare. It's, it's really what I like to call a government industrial healthcare complex. You've got 
Medicare in cahoots with the large insurers that are overcharging, and then the hospitals are benefiting from these large reimbursements. So large employers that have the resources, and, and most employers with more than 300 employees do, are just starting to opt out altogether and say, enough. We're going to pay for our employees' health care, and we're not going to do it with any insurance company at all. And then you say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, how do they do that? They say, we're not paying the 225% of what Medicare pays. We're going to pay hospitals 140% of what Medicare pays. So they pick, they pick a percentage that's more than Medicare, and they say, this is what we'll pay you for our employees' service. Will you take it or not? And so far, 97% of hospitals are capitulating and saying, yeah, wow. I mean, it's pretty 97%. So yeah. do I understand correctly that this is these companies are self-insured? They just go ahead and write the check for the medical coverage, and they probably have like an insurance company that just administers the claims for them, does the paperwork? Yeah, we hire, um, when we do this, we hire an administrative agency, a, a TPA, a third-party claims payer, and then we hire what we call a, a repricing company that actually prices the medical claim to be what 140% of Medicare is, which we know because that's all published, right? So, so anything that happens, like when you go to the doctor, when you plan your surgery, whatever, we, the, the pre-certification of the claim set comes in and says, hey, we don't have one of these giant insurance companies. We're going to pay you 40% more than Medicare pays you. Take it or leave it. And and it's really hard for a hospital to say, gee, no, we're not going to take 40% more than our largest client pays us because that would look really bad. Now, you say, what happens in the 3%? Well, roughly 3% of them, the hospital pushes back and says, no, we want 225%. And that's when, when we engage with the lawyers and we say, well, wait a minute, you're going to charge my client 225% when your number one client pays you 40% less than we're offering? So of the 3% where this gets disputed, only 0.3% go to trial. And so far, hmm. in the 0.3% that have gone to trial, every one of them has settled except for one. The one that settled sided with the employer because the, the judge ultimately ruled you can't be charging well, first of all, it was an emergency situation. So the, the, in an emergency situation, you have a weird deal where somebody gets care and they don't know what the price is going to be. So that's not a contract, legally speaking. And then the, the, the hospital tried to charge 225%. And, of course, the, the, the employer said, no, we'll pay 140%. And ultimately, they sided with the employer. So what so, this is doing effectively, Joe, is it's yeah. reducing a company's health care costs by 30% year one. So, like, whatever you're paying today... $10 million for your health plan, you're going to pay $7 million next year with this system. It's unbelievable. Okay, so we have a fair number of business owners listening, of course, but we have many, many hardworking folks who are employees. Is this going to filter down? Is this going to be of benefit to the working people? Absolutely, because they're going to start to see the amount coming out of their paycheck go down by 30% per month ah, when they go to the course. doctor. And, and, You're not dealing with an insurance company anymore. So you just go to whichever hospital or doctor you want, and you let your employer and your employer's repricing company fight with the hospital over the price of the claim. We completely exempt the employee from the 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 the, um, disruption here. Excuse me. And how widespread is this? Well, years ago when I started writing about it, only about 2% of companies were dabbling in it. 
Now you've got as many as 18% of companies that are starting to move in this direction with at least one form of plan that does this. It's called reference-based pricing because you're, okay. you're picking a reference point. In my, in my example, I used 140% of Medicare as the reference point. Yeah, yeah. So if, if folks like business owners want to know more about this, how can they get hold of you? Um, two ways. I mean, if you're on Twitter, the easiest way is to hit me at uh, at Benny, B-E-N-E, revolution.com. If you're not on Twitter and you want to go the traditional website uh, route, you can go to my blog, which is benefit-revolution.com. You can get me a benefit benefit-revolution.com and we'll have links at armstrongandgetty.com for folks driving or, or whatever. Uh, Craig, that's so interesting and, and you make it understandable. Um, uh, scale of 1 to, to 10, how significant a development do you think this is going to be over time, this new strategy? Well, this is I would say this is a 7 because it it, okay. it won't work for it, it just won't work well for companies with less than like 250 people because they don't have the resources to self insure. Right. So it's a huge development for. I mean, if you're if you have more than 300 employees, this is a nine out of ten. This is a huge. Yeah, okay. This is a huge thing that will keep you from going socialized in the future. If you're in that smaller bracket, I think you're still going to get. You're going to end up with some form of Obamacare or Medicaid by 2030. And in, in, in ten seconds, can smaller companies at some point in the future band together? Yes, and there are there are things smaller companies can do that are look like this but aren't quite as effective, and I'm doing that with some of those as well. Okay, fair enough. Craig Gottwalls, Craig the healthcare guru. Craig, terrific stuff. Always great to talk to you. Hey, let's go fishing soon, all right? Yeah, Joe, let's get after it. We got to yeah, yeah. Them, uh, those those bass, they need to be caught. They want it. All right, thanks, Craig. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.